Welcome to the podcast, Selling Real Estate with Kelly Cook, where we will discuss the latest and most relevant business strategies to help you do one thing extremely well, sell more homes. We'll discuss everything from business planning to lead generation and conversion to past client customer service and everything in between. Join us for authentic conversations and nuts and bolts takeaways you can implement into your business today. And now, Selling Real Estate with Kelly Cook. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It's another great day, and it is another episode of Selling Real Estate with Kelly Cook. And um, we do have a guest with us today. So real quick, Kelly, first question for you. What is the one thing that you're going to do to end out the year? I know we talked a lot about what you're doing to to kind of start next year, um, but what's your main goal for finishing out 2022? We always gotta ask the the big questions, right? You know, Boy. right before right when we get into it. You're not messing around today. I love it. No. Okay, guys. So the one thing is, um, and it's gonna actually, it kind of goes with this segment today, but um, it's going to be finding a vehicle to be able to take a big tax write-off on, right? Because we all know, hey, the market got a little tougher the back half of, of this year for many of the markets around around the country, but the first half is still really good, right? So if you're out there hustling and made some money, but you want a good tax break, remember that 100% bonus depreciation that we kind of talk about here and there with cost segregation is is expiring end of this year, right? So it, my goal, Elizabeth, is to find a property that I can actually invest in for the upside, of course, and all the benefits of real estate investing, and also get some sort of tax break with that by the end of the year. Close on it before January 1st. That's right. That's a perfect a perfect end goal for the year. So if that's not one of yours, you should think about it. You should make that one of your goals as well. And to kind of bring that all together, piggyback off our conversation last week when we were talking about um, different real estate investing uh, ways, different ways you can get into real estate. We really focused on multifamily investing last week. Um, And we do have a guest with us today. So today we have um, Chase Craig. He is the team leader over at Own Boise. And uh, he knows a little bit about uh, investing and taxes and all the nitty gritty stuff that we touched on last week that we'll kind of dive a little bit deeper into today. So welcome, Chase. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Elizabeth. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Kelly, for the invite as well. I'm excited to be on uh, on your show. Heck yeah. We had to bring in the uh, the GOAT, right? The, the expert on this topic, guys. I was, uh, you know, just kind of wet your whistle with our episode here uh, last week, but uh, this is this is truly an expert. You, you always want to seek out people smarter than you, right? Chase is a good friend of mine, mm-hmm. known him for a long time on the real estate sales side, right? He runs a really, really, really good team out in, uh, in Boise. And uh, we've collaborated a lot over the years on, you know, on best practices, kind of like what we do on a podcast. But this time of today, he's very passionate about actually got me into a little bit. And so we're bringing him on here to set the record straight for any any details or questions anyone may have. That Perfect. being said, that being said, Chase. All right. So um, if you could just start us off with uh, giving us a little background of, of kind of maybe uh, in a nutshell, you know, we kind of get to it right, right to the point here on this podcast because, you know, agents have ADD. So, um, you know, what's your story? What's your backdrop? How did you get to be in real estate and to where you are today with multifamily investing, especially? So, so my story, uh, I'll start from the end and then I'll go backwards here uh, for a few minutes. So stick with me. Um, so, you know, I, let's see, I've been selling real estate for 17 years, sold over a billion dollars in real estate, over 3,500 homes, 
Um, I was Realtor Magazine's top 30 under 30 in 2011. Youngest Realtor of the Year in 2014 for the Boise area. Youngest Realtor of the Year ever in the history of the association. Um, now, I say those things not to brag, although, uh, you know, it does feel <laughs> kind of good sometimes to be like, yeah. oh, man, I, did, I have done some things that are awesome. Um, <laughs> I say it because, and I typically ask this, and I know your audience can't answer this, but if you're not, not along in the car or raise your hand, wherever, if you're in a coffee shop or whatever, listening to this. Like how many of you out there have lived paycheck to paycheck? Mm. And uh, and I'll, I'll give you, I'll let you in on where I was at. I was living tax return to tax return, which is worse than paycheck to paycheck because my paychecks did not cover my bills. So I would actually literally like be in the red every single month, losing money, losing money, losing money. I'd get my tax return and then I'd have my savings built up to do it all over again. <clears throat> and I was making, I was... So I'll, I'll paint the picture for you here. It's 2005. I uh, I am married with two kids. Okay. I uh, make $12 an hour as the department head at Flooring, Paint, and Decor at the Home Depot. And my wife is going to school full time. And I owned a house. Somehow they loaned me money to buy a house. Okay. Early 2000s. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know the drill. I actually qualified like legit. I didn't have a stated income. It was like a legit qualification. It was $92,000 house. And uh, I mean, it was like, that was breaking the budget. It was 92 grand. Um, and and so so that's the picture, right? Well, I had uh, making 12 bucks an hour. I had made a job change. And at Home Depot, you only get a, a, a raise every year. Well, I made a job change eight months in. So year comes around. They're like, oh, no, you got to wait a whole year from the job change. Mm. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I'm like, okay, so 20 months go by and I, I meet with my boss to get my raise. And uh, any guesses at what my raise was? 50, 50 cents. 50 cents. Both of you guys would have uh, made me happy. Oh my no. My raise was 28 and a half cents an hour. And, and, and my boss at the time, she says, she was super nice and it's not her fault. She didn't have any control over it. She's like, hey, Chase, great news. We're going to round that half a cent up and just make it 29. That's so sweet. And, and for those of you that don't have time to do the math because you're driving right now or whatever, uh, I'll, I'll help you out. Uh, half a cent times 2,080 hours a year is $10.40 a year. So uh, I went home and I just felt like, am I trapped? You know, I just thought like in my trap, like this is my life, like I'll never get out of this. And one of my uh, people that worked with me, he said, hey, uh, Chase, we should get our real estate licenses. And I'm like, what's that? And no joke, that night I went and researched it and signed up for classes. I actually ended up taking night classes. It took me three and a half months. Normally it's a two week course here in Idaho. It took me three and a half months of night classes to uh, to get my license. and. That was kind of my journey into real estate. So, mm. that's a fantastic. I, dude, I didn't even know about the Home Depot story with your situation. That that's is insane. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, I I have some some low points. Uh, like you know, you get these out of body experiences, right? Um, and and I'll, I'll set the tone for you here. So we're in my living room, and my wife sets the groceries down, and there's grapes in a bag, and I'm like what do you think we're rich? Like we can, we got great money. 
Oh we can't afford gosh. grapes. Produce is expensive. These, yeah. Oh man. It was like $2 in grapes. And I'm like out of body looking at myself, yelling at my wife for buying grapes. And, and I was upset. But the reality is I was upset, not with her. I was upset with me because I'm like, can I, I can't even afford to buy my wife grapes. Yep. And uh, real estate changed everything. I mean, you know, this is the industry. And I was a hard worker at the Home Depot. Like I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I was, I did well. And it was a slap in the face what they offered me. And there was people that just because they were older than me, I was 22 at the time. So, uh, you know, this is 17 years ago, I'm 39 now, you know, they, they were older than me and they didn't have any, they didn't work harder than me. Uh, they hadn't been at Home Depot longer than me. They didn't have any more knowledge than I did. They were just older and they made like $14 an hour. And I'm just like, what is this corporate world is whack. Like nothing about it makes sense. Well, yep. guess what? In real estate, Kelly, you know, this, yep. I look in the mirror and I know at the end of the day, like I earned what I put into it period. The end, there's no one. Like there's no other industry I can think of where day one you can come in and you can start to work for yourself and and change your world. So Amen, brother. Um, bet on yourself, right? Every day wake up, you get a chance to bet on yourself as a real estate sales person and or an investor, right? But that's a good story. Um, all right, Chase. So let's 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 flip it a little bit now. Um, we know you're a successful business owner from on the sales side, but let's talk about investing, right? Because um, there could be some people right now that don't know how to invest or want to invest, or maybe they just are too scared because they don't, they don't want to fix leaky toilets and all this stuff. Um, so there's, they know there's other options out there where they can piggyback maybe with other investors. Um, so that being said, um, could you give us a little, little backdrop on maybe why, you know, multifamily could be an option as a real estate investor? Yeah. So, so I'll tell you, uh, first of all, uh, 15 years in the business. Okay. 2020, um, we had a really good year. Uh, our, our team closed 225 transactions and our, our best year ever. And I will go to meet with my accountant and, uh, my accountant says, Hey, Chase, you're going to owe 500 grand. And I'm like, okay, cool. Do the accountant stuff. <laughs> and he's like, I already did. And I'm like, what? Like, this isn't going to work. So I leave my accountant's office. I get a phone call from my, my really good friend and he, he runs a delivery service partnership for Amazon. So he, you know, they, all the vans you see driving around, he, he helps them deliver stuff. Well, he was having trouble getting vans. Like there was a van shortage and, you know, killing him to rent. You probably saw this and you might even still see it. Like people pulling up to deliver stuff in like a U-Haul truck or, you know, a weird box truck, like those are not efficient things to deliver in. So he's like, I want to buy vans and I want you to partner with me. And I just had asked him like, well, you know, is this something we can write off? He's like, absolutely. So we bought $800,000 in Amazon vans in 2020. And I felt like a genius, by the way, we wrote them off, called my accountant. He's like, yeah, that works. Write them off. So write them down to zero. So $400,000 tax savings. Um, so huge, just, just changed the game. And I felt like a genius until, uh, three months go by and my good friend and business partner, smart wealth equity, Chris Miller, uh, that's the company that, that I, uh, own with Chris Miller. Uh, he, he was talking to me about the syndication thing and he'd been talking to me about syndications for a while, which I'll explain to you what they are in a, in a minute here. Um, but he, he came to me and said, Chase, um, you know, this is, here's your options. And then meanwhile, Gary Keller and Tom Wheelwright are in my ear saying, Hey, tax options, tax options. It's all just going over my head. Well, three months after I do the Amazon vans, here's what I found out. 
I could have bought real estate, completely passive, and had the same exact tax benefits that I did buy in the vans. And, and so it became my mission, and I really appreciate Kelly bringing me on here with Elizabeth. It became my mission to help top producing real estate agents like Kelly and other people not own Amazon vans because you don't have to buy them. You can invest in real estate. You already know it. You already like it. You already, you already trust it. You know, it's an investment vehicle that can that can help you and save you money on taxes. So uh, let me answer what a syndication is just briefly so everyone yeah. understands. It's basically a combining of resources. So, you know, Kelly cannot go buy a $50 million apartment complex by himself. And if he could, uh, you know, he probably can't buy a lot of them, right? Like you're going to run out of money right. um, and time and energy and all that stuff. So, and neither can I, but you know, what I can do is I can go find a project, a $50 million apartment complex. I can work a business plan. I can work the numbers and make sure it looks good. Then I can package it in a way where I can bring it to Kelly and other real estate professionals like yourselves who are listening to this and say, it doesn't have to be a real estate professional, by the way, it could be anyone, but real estate professionals get additional bonuses, which we'll tell you about later. Um, I can bring it to you and you can be a limited partner. You know, you can write a check for you know, our average investment gets an 18% annual return. So you can write a check for a hundred thousand bucks and expect an 18% annual return completely passive. And our average hold times around five years. So that's, that's what a syndication is in a nutshell. So it's a combining of resources and expertise with money. That, that, that is a really efficient way to break it down. Because I think a lot of people don't really know what it is or have heard, you know, things that just aren't true about it. Um, talk to me about risk, right? What are the, what are some of the pros and cons about this type of investment? Yeah. So the, the pros, let's go over the pros real quick. High returns, typically. I mean, depends on what you're investing in, but typically you're going to expect higher returns than your typical stuff. And it's the economy is a scale thing. And, and uh, you know, one of the reasons we like multifamily so much is because you can, uh, because they sell based on cap rates. So a cap rate right now, we do a lot of investments in Texas. So a, a cap rate is the capitalization rate of a, of, of a property. So essentially, if you paid cash, it's what you'd expect to get in return on that property. Um, so another way to look at it, though, is every dollar of income. So if the cap rate's four, every dollar of income, you divide four into a hundred, that, that'd give you a 25X return. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I know you guys are, if you're watching this or listening to this, like don't overcomplicate it. You know, a five cap would be like a 20X return because five goes into 120 times. Yep. So every dollar of net operating income I add to a property on a four cap gets me a 25X uh, return. So here's my favorite story. We buy a hundred unit apartment complex and we say, Hey, um, you know, do you guys want to have, uh, maybe they've got 150 parking spaces, right? We say, Hey, do you guys, you know, we do a poll with the neighbors and we say, do you guys want to have dedicated parking? And they say, yes. We say, cool. It's going to be 20 bucks a month. So we take a hundred of those parking spaces, charge $25 a month. All we do is paint lines on the ground and paint numbers and they're happy because now they know where to park every time and violators will be towed, right? So 25 times hundred, that's 
So I'm just going to do the math for you. So $2,500 times 12 is $30,000 a year. And if it's a four cap, I would times that by 25. And I just added $750,000 of value to that property by painting numbers on the ground. That's what's cool. That's the pros of working with some syndicators or operators like myself um, and, and the operators we work with is if they understand the business plan and how they can, you know, maximize the value of that property so you can you can actually get gains. Um, so tax benefits, I, I don't want to waste everyone's time going into it, but there's awesome tax benefits. And I'm happy to answer those if you if you want to ask me about that, Kelly. The risk, though, the risk side of things, um, you know, you want to make sure I mean, the entire project is predicated on working with a good operating team, a good general partnership. So myself and my partner, Chris, at Smart Wealth Equity, you know, we uh, typically a general partnership will be uh, somewhere between three and seven general partners, and they're combining their resources, right? Like they might be good at underwriting, they might be good at finding deals, they might be good at, um, you know, maybe they've got uh, good at placing capital, maybe they're good at marketing, maybe they're good at asset management, whatever, we all combine resources so we can really, really uh, make sure that we're bringing the best possible business plan forward to our investors. Um, but you really want to check out like underwriting is probably one of the biggest pieces. You know, we find a deal and then and then we do what this is. This is what I if you take nothing away from this and you're considering investing in a syndication, here's what you need to take away. What are the assumptions that the general partnership team is making on the underwriting model? Because we all have an underwriting model and some are way complex and some are super simple. But at the end of the day, we have to guess some things, right? Because we're doing a, a five-year hold. So I've got to guess five years from now, are rents going to be higher or lower or sideways? And how much higher or how much lower? You know, typically, typical numbers are like 3 to 4% per year is organic rent growth. Well, if you don't look and investigate what their underwriting model is, you might not know that they put in 15% organic rent growth. And, and that could be a major, major, major problem. Same with the cap rate. We talked about cap rates. A 4X cap is going to get you a 4 cap, excuse me, 4% cap rate is going to get you a 25X on the net operating income. Well, a 5 is only going to get you 20X. So if today it's trading at a 4, I need to make an assumption what it's going to be trading at when we go to sell it. Right. So, so, so what's my assumption? Do I say it's going to be a four? I've seen underwriting models where people say it's going to be less than it is less. today. And, uh, and that's the scary part. And that's what you really want to look at is, you know, who am I working with and what assumptions have they made on the underwriting model? Ask them to see it. And if they're not comfortable sharing with you, that would be a red flag for me. It doesn't mean that they're trying to hide something, but I would be concerned if I didn't see the underwriting model. So in a, mar a market like this, where we know it's a little slower, right? Um, what would, is there a general rule of thumb that you would say someone should look, going to look out for, um, you know, if they bought it at a four cap, what would that underwriting probably be if their model is to, at some point in the future, you know, three to five years, have that liquidation event and sell it? Should, should it be just a five cap? Should it be five, like, uh, five and a half? Uh, I know it's kind of a general question, but is, yeah. there, is there a formula there, there for that? There are some best practices. So just like the organic rent growth, just like appreciation, you know, we got a lot of realtors listening to this. Yeah. Uh, a good best practice for, you know, if you're modeling appreciation in real estate, single family real estate, it's 4% per year. That's a, that's a very 
commonly used number. If you want to be more conservative, you could say three. But, uh, you know, over the last 50, 60 years, it's averaged 4% per year. Like, it's just, it's not debatable. Right. So, so if you, if you were working with someone on single family and, and they were building wealth for you and they said, oh yeah, it's going to be 8% per year. Like you would, that'd be a cause for you to be like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. So same thing on this side, let's, let's do organic rent growth. That's typically 4% per year too. That's just what it is. So uh, on the cap rate, it used to be we would do 10 basis points every year that we hold the property. So if it's 4% per day, we'd go 4.1, 4.2, 4.3. You know, if it's five-year hold, we'd finally be at 4.5. Well, what we're doing now is is we're we're doubling that. So we're saying, okay, on a five-year hold, we, we'll go full percentage uh, higher than it is today. But Got there's it. so many levers where we can make assumptions at, you know, uh, that, that exit cap rate's huge. We can make assumptions on, you know, rent growth, expenses. You know, if someone's, uh, I, I'm there's there's so much. There's so yeah, much. So, I, there's, yeah, there's so much, and I don't want people to get lost in some of these yeah. details because there's there's someone like yourself or me they can call and reach out to, and we can walk them through all of this stuff, right? One-on-one on -on -one call. I know that's what you guys do, what you're passionate about. I am too. I'm getting um, heavily, much more involved with this because I, I just see the benefits, especially when you already have a bunch of single family houses as, as rentals. Well, now this is diversification in a different way. So, um, well, and if I could explain something real quick. So, so why 15 years in the business, I'm developing land. I am uh, flipping homes. I own single family rentals. I've got commercial property. I'm loaning money to people, you know, doing the hard money loans and stuff. How do I not know about real estate syndications? Well, there's 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 one main reason. You've got to know a syndicator, mm. okay? For the mo most part, because and this is this is kind of nerding out, but just hang with me because it's not that nerdy. This is why I didn't know after 15 years and considering there was some ego involved, right? I consider myself to be pretty C and uh, you know, how humbling is that? Like I own 34 Amazon vans now <laughs> and I want to own zero. And uh, so clearly I didn't know everything. Uh, but, but one of the things is there's, there's SEC rules. So for us to take this big property and, and sell pieces of it, we actually securitize it. So the SEC has two main rules. There's others, but these are the two main ones that everyone follows. Uh, so the first rule is they follow um, a 506C. So 506C means that it's accredited investors only. And, you know, accredited investor, you got to have more than $200,000 income as a single or more than $300,000 income as married filing jointly. Or you have to have over a million dollars net worth um, minus your primary residence. So that's a 506C. Now, the cool thing about a 506C is I can go tell the world about it. In fact, I have a 506C today, right now, that we're, you know, we're, we're uh, raising capital for. We've got a great opportunity. It's in Dallas. Same returns that we talked about, about an 18% return, expecting about a 60% loss year one, which means you can potentially save money on your taxes, which is, yeah, that's what Kelly was referring to. <laughs> well, enter the 506B. Well, why is 506B important? Well, 506B is important because it allows for not only accredited investors, but non-accredited investors. So uh, who are sophisticated 
and the sophistication thing is I, I don't even want to get into it but essentially we can we can uh uh you can you don't have to be an accredited investor to invest in it but i can't tell anyone about it unless i already have a relationship with them so that's why after 15 years i didn't know about any of these deals because the majority of them were 506b deals and i didn't know anyone that did this mm. so so because of those sec rules i was not made aware of these syndications and and how awesome they are. And I wish I would have known a long time ago. Yeah. Um, So I think a lot of people just write that off as, as you know, I I never will have a chance to get involved with that. Right. You drive past apartment complexes all the time in any major city and you just think, Oh, some, some some rich rich guy or gal. Uh, Yeah. One guy, one gal owns it all. And I'll never be part of that. That's not true. That's and, and I, my eyes are opened up to it as well. I'm older than you chase. And it took me, about 17 years, 16 years to figure this out, right? Or or hear about this too. So I totally get it. Kelly's a pretty smart dude. So if it took him that (laughs) long, like don't feel bad if you're just finding out about it right now too. So heck yeah. Heck yeah. So the one thing I want to point out though, is like for single families, condos that you may invest in, you know, obviously that is going to be based off of appreciation, right? Like, like you were saying, you, you are not, you can't really force appreciation. It's going to be based on the comps around these, those areas or those, those uh, communities and those homes. But like you were saying, force appreciation, the beautiful thing about this is you can actually do just that. You can take a property by increasing rents because maybe the rents aren't there or by striping the parking lot, adding a pickleball court, whatever it may be, all these things where somebody will be glad to come to that apartment complex and pay more for rent for these different amenities. So it's really cool, guys. Um, and then, of course, it really helps to to buy it at a good price when they do. And and uh, Chase's group and some of these other um, operators, that's what they do. And they do a good job. So you're really betting, Chase, not just on the property. You're betting just as much as on the operating group, right? The general partnership that runs the deal, right? Yeah. I mean, as a limited partner, so a limited partner or LP, these are people that are just writing checks. So they write a check, they get a return. That's it, mailbox money. So the general partnership, that's the operating group as you're re- referencing the GP. Yeah, for for me, so so you know, we're in six deals uh right now. We've got 1150 units, over 150 million dollars in um, you know, I guess assets. And of those, we are the main lead on one of them, but we've joined other groups who are the main group on the other five. And uh, it is extremely important that you thoroughly vet the people you're getting into business with. Yep. Uh, you know, like, are they going to be as aggressive to you? Just, just to give you an example, like our our property we have in San Marcos right now, the one we're running, um, we're doing, you know, the asset management and a lot of the other uh, duties as well. We've had to fire three regional property managers because we're using the same property management company, but we've had to tell them to get a new person in because they've been, they, they haven't lived up to our expectation. But imagine if we were just sitting back and, you know, being like, all right, well, it's just not forming very well. I guess we'll wait and see. Like, ah, that, uh, that doesn't sit well with me. So, so, you know, our goal at Smart Wealth Equity is to be involved in the asset management as much as we can um, but it's also to, you know, if we are, if we cannot be, but we find the right deal, are they going to be as diligent as we are? Yeah, that's huge. That is very huge. 
Well, okay, guys. So I um, hope this was a, a really good amount of information you guys can um, you guys can absorb now. If you didn't absorb any of it, please, please, please reach out to me, reach out to Chase, and we'll be happy to take a deep dive on this for you because that's what we do. We're passionate about real estate investing. And maybe if it's just single family home investing, that's fine too. Talk to me. Uh, we'd love to be able to uh, give you knowledge we have on that aspect as well. But with respect to the multifamily investing, Chase, this is the last question for you. What is one thing we ask all of our guests this, right? Uh, this might be a little tricky for the topic, but let's go with it. What's one thing that you would recommend or advise, a uh, piece of advice you could give to somebody watching us right now um, that they could take away from this? Uh, they could implement in their business or their strategy, maybe for the end of this year or next year, when it comes to multifamily investing or maybe just real estate investing in general. What's one thing they could do right now in the next week or so they can actually implement a piece of advice from you? So uh, this would be what I would say, and, and it does tie in a little bit, but you cannot earn your way to wealth. You can't. You've got to invest. So because at some point you're going to stop earning. You know, and you can you don't have to look very far to find that. I mean, how many, you know, multi-million dollar athletes and superstars and you know, whatever do you do you hear about going broke? And you're like, how could they have gone broke? Well, they earn and then they spend what they earn. And then once they stop earning or they have a bad time, like everything changes. So, uh, you know, this is why, you know, you and I, I know you take it very seriously. I do too. Like investing is, uh, you know, it's your future. You're, you're delaying gratification now, but you're building, you know, a legacy for your future. So uh, the other thing I would say is just invest on schedule. You know, everyone I know who invests, they invest like at a high level. They have way more money than than I even thought I would ever want. Uh, they invest on schedule. So market's good, buy. Market's bad, buy. Market's up, buy. Market's <laughs> down, buy. Like they just buy. And and so, you know, it's a fool's errand to try and time the market. Uh, so just do do whatever you need to do to uh, become, you know, one of those wealthy people, which is, invest on schedule, uh, keep your head down and keep moving forward. And it's a long game. So love that. time in market is better than timing the market. Yes. Ooh, you can say that again. Time in the market is absolutely better. Than <laughs> I timing. had something valuable to add there. So I like it. Absolutely. Well, Elizabeth, take us away here. That, well, that was perfect. This was wonderful. Thank you so much, Chase. That was Kelly. You did a great job kind of scratching the surface last week, but we got, real in-depth here. So mm -hmm. I really, really appreciate it. And kind of the way that you explained it too was so, um, you broke it down all very, very well. So thank you so much for being here. If anybody wants to reach out to you, you know, get to know uh, a syndicator, kind of start getting into it. Um, where can they reach you? Where can they reach out to you? Oh, perfect. Uh, well, I think you can email me if you want. That's probably easy. Uh, chase at smartwealthequity.com. Um, or you can head to that website, smartwealthequity.com, and you can kind of find out a little bit more about us, our portfolio. You can request a meeting. Um, so we'd be happy to. And, and honestly, you know, Kelly said this, he's being very nice and humble, but like call him, he knows a lot. So <laughs> if you have a relationship with Kelly and that's why you're watching this uh, podcast, try him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, call him. That's that's pretty simple. And and if you don't have a relationship with him and you're listening to this podcast, like what are you waiting for? So Yeah, right. Well, Kelly, if anybody wants to call you or reach out to you, where can they do that? 
Yeah, as always, uh, hey, text or call. Some of you guys have taken advantage of that, which is awesome. Uh, I really, I really, I actually do really enjoy that. I'll get back to you in a timely fashion. 480-227-2028 or info at cookandassociatesaz.com. Got the right yeah, email address I, there. Perfect. I, I could throw out my phone number in case anyone wants yeah. that. You can, you can call or text me. Text is way better, by the way. Uh, 208-284-0829. And uh, yeah, Instagram's awesome too. So feel free to message or whatever. Anyway, just any way that you can reach him, get to him. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Well, and as always, I'll shout it out. If you want to build a real estate team, please go to buildyourrealestateteam.com. Kelly has laid it all out for you. As always, check that out. Um, but other than that, thanks guys. We will see you all next week. Yeah. Thanks, Chase. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thank you guys. Have a, have a good one. It. Welcome to the podcast, Selling Real Estate with Kelly Cook, where we will discuss the latest and most relevant business strategies to help you do one thing extremely well, sell more homes. We'll discuss everything from business planning to lead generation and conversion to past client customer service and everything in between. Join us for authentic conversations and nuts and bolts takeaways you can implement into your business today. And now, Selling Real Estate with Kelly Cook.